0: Welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith.
1: Everybody thought they knew what would happen. Everybody was so sure of how this season was going to play out. I've seen preseason polls and articles, so pretty much I knew how the entire FCS was going to happen in 2019. And then bam, we have week one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast as we prepare for week two and look back on a crazy week one. I am joined with Kyler Neal, Lawrence Smith, East Coast, West Coast, and right here in the Midwest, your unbiased buys and admin, Matthew Frazee. Welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. We are going to dive into some outstanding questions and debates that happened on our page over the last couple of days, and that were posted by the fans of FCS Fans Nation. Lawrence, we missed you last week. We're glad you're back. How are you doing tonight, buddy?
0: I feel great. Uh, I apologize to the listeners that I missed last week, um, but you guys handled it flawlessly without me.
1: Appreciate that. Our dip in rating was ratings was pretty drastic, but we're glad you're back to fix that little offset. Kyler, how are we doing there? Um, down in Houston, but our Eastern Washington faithful representative. How you doing, buddy?
2: Great. I am drinking, you know, a Houston local beer. A fancy lawnmower is what it's called from the St. Arnold Brewery. So I'm having a good time, but we do have breaking news, guys. Breaking Whoa. news. Breakout. Southeastern Louisiana at Bethune-Cookman has been canceled due to Hurricane Dorian. My guess is we will see a couple more cancellations as the storm rolls through. But let's just be aware. We might see some cancellations, and now we do not get to see if Sela, had a one game miracle or if they are a power dang breaking news here on fcs fans nation um live
1: breaking news for us three and anybody else who waited for any information on the fcs for this podcast outstanding well that that kind of that stinks for both teams to have to postpone kyler or canceled
2: it looks like it says canceled i'm waiting for a little bit more information um yeah no never mind it says it will not be rescheduled This was actually just posted by Everett Will on FCS Football's Fans Nation. So um, thank you, Everett, for posting this breaking news. Um, Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be rescheduled. Which is a huge downer. It affects
1: your playoff positioning. It affects your scheduling. And, you know, the committee doesn't give you leeway if a a game like that is canceled. So that kind of stinks. Unfortunate news for uh, both teams, but we'll see how it goes moving forward. So... Guys, before we kick into our fans' questions and after all the breaking news, which is great, once again we are brought this episode tonight is brought to you by the Versus Sports Simulator App. As you've heard before, the Versus Sports Simulator app is one of the most accurate sports analytic tools on the market today. Just last season, the Versus Sports Simulator app was accurate on 76% all college football games during the year. That includes NAIA, D3, D2, FBS, And of course, the best division in all of college football, the FCS. And those other sports analytic tools like ESPN were hovering around 74% accuracy. So if you're looking for a way to impress your friends or family by knowing the outcome of a game, impressing that hot date, hey, I know everything about sports. Or maybe you're going to Vegas to throw some bets down. Or if you're just a fan of sports and sports analytics, the answer to all your questions can be found by downloading the app today on the Google Play or iTunes App Store by searching the Versus Sports Simulator app. We are proud that they are sponsoring our show. Thank you so much from FCS Football Fans Nation. Download the Versus Sports Simulator app today. Awesome, guys. Well, we appreciate that as always. Let's kick right into the questions. And we have so many revolving around Jacksonville State. And we'll kick it off with Mr. Preston Adams who says, Do you think Jacksonville State is more mad about losing to NCAA or CELA this weekend? Um, So obviously last year's matchup and this year's matchup kind of didn't go real well for Jacksonville state in the out of conference. Uh, Which one do you think is more of a, wow, this is a big downer for them. Uh, Lawrence this year's matchup or last year's.
0: This year's matchup um, I think is probably the one that they're, they should be more frustrated about because you know, the Aggies last year were, you know, they were a ranked team. So you know, you at least saw the potential in that one. Um, you know, we didn't even put Jacksonville State versus Sela on the on the pickem because you know everyone just knew, oh, Jacksonville State's going to blow out Cela, like it's not not going to be competitive. It's it's going to be an offensive route, um, and obviously, it didn't turn out that way. Um, everyone was surprised, and I th- I think this year's game should be the one that the Gamecocks are more disappointed about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kyler, what do you think about those first impressions of Jacksonville State with that really tough game this week?
2: Um, yeah, my my impressions on, you know, are they more mad about losing to at t or SELA? I think Lawrence basically said exactly what everyone is feeling because it's SELA easily. You know, after that at and t game, we, we saw a lot of Jacksonville State fans saying, hey, we just outplayed ourselves. You know, the penalties we had, we beat ourselves. We could have won that game. Um, they couldn't have won this one even without any penalties. Um, but the thing is, like Lawrence said, at t was a top, what, 10, 15 team to start the year last year. So, like, we knew that was going to be a great game. This one, like Lawrence said, was not even on our radar. I think Sela finished number nine in the Southland last year. So this this was a pretty bad loss on paper. Now, who knows? Uh, maybe this is sila's year where they have a huge breakout year and their defensive line is actually really dominant um you know it's only week 1 we still have to see how this plays out but yeah right now sila is the easy choice for which one should jsu you know which one are they more mad about absolutely did you and- guys
0: know cell- did you guys know cell phone companies were fielding football teams now
2: <laughs> i had no idea that that was occurring did i say Tyler, eight. AT&T. Did I do it again? Yeah. I meant a and T. I I even wrote down A&T. Come on, Kyler. It's okay, man. I'm just happy for once I didn't butcher something, but I still hey, have there's plenty. Still,
1: there's still a lot of names left to go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there, there are some dandies on here, and I'm glad you brought that up because I say it every podcast. I apologize, FCS Football Fans Nation. I'm going to butcher your last name. This next name is pretty easy because Steve Anderson wants to know what teams are most likely to run the table after starting the week 0-1. Lots of options to pick from here, guys, because honestly, like the FCS had a real kind of rough time against the FBS. I think somebody on our page shared a graphic with Ws or Ls across the top 25, and there was a lot of red Ls all the way across there. So with a pretty rough start overall, how do you see this playing out for anyone who's 0-1 being able to run the table? Kyler, Who do you think could run it all the way through for undefeated from this point on?
2: So normally in this type of a scenario, I would look at, you know, maybe which, you know, some of the weaker conferences. So like I would look at San Diego or Colgate, but even looking at their schedules and both of them are 0 and 1 and 0 and 2, like San Diego still has UC Davis on the schedule. I don't anticipate that being a San Diego win. Colgate still has Maine and a couple other teams. So... Looking at like, you know, the so-called weaker conferences, I don't see many of them being able to, you know, run the table the rest of the year. Um, now, I would say Kennesaw State definitely has the best chance, but they didn't start 0-1. So of the 0-1 teams, I actually like James Madison and Eastern Washington's chance to possibly run the table 0-1, but there's also some matchups where they could potentially lose. I- I'm just not sold we're actually gonna see anyone run the table this year. Thinking there could be some more trips along the way. Yeah,
1: we might be looking at one of those years, like uh, 2015, I believe it was, where we had like some two lost teams in the second and third seed. You never know. It's definitely possible. Lawrence, any teams that are catching your radar that are different different than Kyler's?
0: No, I had the same three that he mentioned. You know, Kennesaw, if they can get past Kent State um, this week, they're going to probably run the table. Uh, I don't know that that, fits the parameters of the question you know if we're strictly talking about 0 and one teams um and then yet with you know hazard to sound like a homer uh jmu and and Eastern seem to be the two in the you know kind of the national spotlight that you say, oh yeah they could they could probably do it you know if, if things fall their way. I think Eastern probably has the better shot, but I agree with Kyler i don't I don't think either team will.
1: For sure. It's going to be tough over that 12-game stretch. Um, I actually like one of Lawrence's old picks from a previous podcast, uh, Montana State. They started 0-1, and you really brought the light to the fact that they're a talented team. They've got a really stud quarterback now there, and uh, their schedule is very favorable throughout the big sky. So I'll throw Montana State out there as an option of an undefeated going all the way. So they should have a lot of good advantages for them moving forward. Uh, Guys, we're going to hop right back into Jacksonville State. Uh, Joshua Hoffman wants to know, does Jacksonville State's loss at an early any given Saturday mantra this year? Are other top 10 teams going to struggle more or did JSU just play completely awful? And we should point out a team like Wofford got upset, um, upset I guess in quotations, you never know in week one, uh, by South Carolina State. So, I mean, you're seeing top 10 teams already dropping off from what we saw in the preseason because we know nothing. Uh, Lawrence, do you see this being kind of a any given Sunday type of season or is Jacksonville state really going to be that bad this season?
0: I think every season is in any given Saturday kind of season. Uh, You know, just, I think the Jacksonville state loss is getting a lot of attention because it was like the, you know, the first game uh, of, of week one, you know, it was in the national spotlight, everyone was watching. What do we have like 400 comments on our game thread? Um, And I just think people didn't expect the, you know, that big upset to come so earlier in the year, you know, like last year JMU was on what a, you know, a 20 some game conference winning streak. And uh, up next on the schedule was Elon, you know, JMU has historically destroyed Elon in the CAA and ended up losing that game. But, you know, it was kind of buried in the middle of the season, so it didn't get as much attention as JSU's loss this week. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say, of course, this year is going to be any given Saturday because every year is any given Saturday.
1: Yeah, I, I really agree with what you have to say there, Lawrence. Any given Saturday, a team could lose. Um, Jacksonville State, they're going to be tough to judge because the offensive line performance that we saw in that game, uh, Sam Herder from Hero Sports was sharing a lot of the video clips, even though I caught most of them live boy it it was it was tough to watch I mean they just got absolutely dominated up front Uh, Cooper actually played pretty well and those skill position players are really talented but they have a lot of things they're going to need to clean up and it may not just be a talent problem we may be looking at cultural issues uh, but they're definitely not going to beat eastern Washington Uh, I don't sound like a great gambler by saying that's a guarantee but it is a guarantee Uh, so they're going to have two losses under their belt I think they will bounce back against Chattanooga next week, but we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for them. I'm just not sold as them, obviously, as a title contender now, just because of that up front, and I don't think they're going to get treated very well by Eastern. So um, So, anything else on that Jacksonville
2: State, good or bad, Lawrence? What do you think? So I actually just jumped back on. Um, Sorry, my internet's been pretty bad down here. I don't know if you guys can hear me now, so I just switched over to my hotspot. So you guys, can you hear me? No, we Yeah, we got you, man. We didn't even skip a beat. I actually answered the question, and then we're up for you now, man. So I ruined it. Lawrence, you know, if you want to edit this part out, you can. If not, we'll try and save it. Um, (laughs) So
0: You're on your own, buddy.
2: (laughs) So sounds good. Um, So first off, I just want to say, I I do think this year more than previous years is more of an any given type of Saturday mantra. Um, But to talk about like JSU specifically, as a whole, JSU, in my opinion, still look like they could be very good and win the OVC. They're still a mismatch on paper versus a lot of teams, uh, especially their talent wise. Zarek Cooper, he was he was pressured every single play, and he still had what 400 yards, 80% accuracy. Um, what what we just saw with JSU is you know their O line is very young, which we already knew, and they got exposed a little bit by. A team who might have the um, really good defensive line, we're not sure. Um, So, yeah, I would say I just think we need to kind of watch to see how it plays out. Smart way to go about
1: it. Yeah, once again, just like a preseason where you think you know everything, week one overreactions definitely tend to happen. But let's talk a little bit about the performance of the FCS as a whole in week one, guys. Um, Because Jacob Martinez wants to know, there are, of course, a lot of FBS games yet to come. But with only one win so far, do you see this as a good or bad thing for the FCS with so many close losses? So, of course, you want wins. That's a good face value answer. But he's talking about those real close losses. Like, is it not that bad that South Dakota State lost by seven to Minnesota? You and I took Iowa State to three overtimes. Um, Honestly, UC Davis didn't do terrible against Cal. Uh, things like that. Um, is that a positive and negative? Should we be fearing, cheering more for fear of the FCS or just good representation? Uh, Kyler, what do you think about that since um, I should say your team, but Lawrence's as well, played an FBS opponent?
2: Yeah. So, you know, to dive into kind of the first part of this where it was, you know, there was a lot of FBS games and um, we only had one win. I mean, it was expected. We actually should have had zero. If you (laughs) look at the matchups, there was a lot of tough FCS versus FBS matchups in week one. And moving on throughout the season, I do think it gets a little easier. Um, But I I think it's overall a positive thing. I mean, some of the FCS bottom feeders almost came out with a win. So I get you You mentioned, you know, like you and I in South Dakota, who I think had amazing performances versus P5 teams. JMU did too. But Houston Baptist only came two points shy of beating a FBS program. And that is a bottom feeder F- FCS program. So, I mean, sure, if you just look at wins and losses, it looks like it's negative. But if you dive into the actual matchups, I'd say if week one for the matchups was pretty promising and overall a really good look for the FCS as a whole.
1: I don't think those losses can be viewed super negative if the game is competitive or even if the averages are better or if you're covering the spread. I mean you're not supposed to win based off a natu- national perspective. So I don't see it as such a bad thing. Lawrence, what do you think about it?
0: I don't think it's either a negative or a positive. Like, of course we would have loved to have gotten those wins and that like, Hey, if we had gone seven and one instead of one and seven, like that would be incredible. Um, but like you said, we're supposed to lose these games. Uh, we did lose these games. And so two weeks from now, no one's going to, no one's going to care or remember. Anyways, uh, you know, you remember app state versus Michigan and James Madison versus Virginia tech and NDSU versus Iowa. But you know, you, you don't, you don't remember JMU versus UNC in 2016, even though JMU went on to win the national championship game that year, like FBS losses for FCS teams, don't mean
1: anything absolutely it's not going to affect you in terms of your long-term playoff runs not going to affect you in terms of your championship ranking you could dive into the specifics the greatest team of all time like do you have to be undefeated and all that stuff but at the end of the day for 2019's purposes right now there's a good representation for those teams who went up against big power five opponents they should be proud of what they did and now it's time to move on to the fcs games great stuff guys all right, this one's really good. And I'll, I'll just kind of roll into this question and, and kind of answer it up front. It's from Brandon Anderson. Since it's roughly on the same topic, he wants to know, can teams beat themselves in a game? And if so, did the Jackrabbits beat themselves versus the Gophers? So I'll take the second part of the question, Jackrabbits the Gophers, because I caught the entirety of the game. And I'll let you guys talk about a team beating themselves. Um, the Jackrabbits definitely, I think, had their opportunities to win the game. And I think they did kind of beat themselves. It was really was turnovers and penalties that kind of caused things, some questionable penalties at that. But really it was that fumble with the exchange between, I believe it was Pierre Strong and Gibbs, the new redshirt freshman quarterback, where SDSU had a chance to move the ball, maintain the lead, and just kill the clock. And giving up that fumble and giving Minnesota good field position when SDSU's defense was playing really well against them, that allowed Minnesota to get that, ga- that go-ahead touchdown uh, then, you know, I believe take the two-point conversion and get the win. So SDSU kind of had they had every opportunity to win that late. And, you know, just a young man's mistake, which is understandable. Redshirt freshman, big moment. Uh, he's got a lot to, to look forward to. Gibbs, who did a hell of a performance. But, yeah, I would say they kind of beat themselves at the end. You know, it's kind of hard to look at it as a whole scale. But at the end, you had an opportunity to win, and it was your own exchange with no defender affecting the fumble. So you kind of beat yourself there. Uh, and the South Dakota State uh, Jackrabbits though have nothing to hang their heads about. They're going to be a hell of a team this year. Uh, Kyler, what do you think about teams beating themselves? Do you always just credit the other opponent or can it actually affect the other, you know, can
2: you hurt yourself? So I do think you can hurt yourself. Um, I'm not going to really dive into the turnovers because a lot of that could just be, you know, good game plans or mismatches where the turnovers could happen. But like where you could beat yourself, definitely on the penalties. Um if you are undis or if you're not very disciplined and you're jumping the gun, you're grabbing wide receivers, you know, and just just creating a lot of penalties. That's definitely a, a way where you could beat yourself because you lose a lot of the field. Um also, you know, missing kicks, because that's really if it's not blocked, that's all on you. A missed kick is on the kicker. It could be on the ball snapper. That's a missed opportunity. Also, you know, maybe dropped easy catches. So I'm not going to say the turnovers is, you know, maybe more of a we beat ourselves because we turned the ball over because that could be credited to the team who grabbed the turnover. But everything else I mentioned is pretty much a a team issue on, you know, yourself. Um, so I didn't actually get to watch the last part of the South Dakota State game because my my team, you know, started playing. But from everything I read online and from what Matt said, you know South Dakota State had every opportunity to win the game, and a lot of people were saying they kind of beat themselves. So I would say, yeah, the Jackrabbits probably did beat themselves. um, But to beat yourselves in a game versus a P5 opportunity or opponent is, like Matt said, nothing to hang your hat on. That's still a really good opportunity and an overall really good look for South Dakota State coming into this year. Absolutely. Jackrabbits played great. Lawrence,
1: what do you got? Can you beat yourself more often or is it the opponent who should get most of the credit?
0: Matthew, I just want to say you have to be careful saying that South Dakota State beat themselves because if you say that, you also have to say that JMU beat themselves in the national championship game in 2017. So careful what... uh, Careful what angle you're going there for, because it might affect a, a championship of your that, own. Huh?
1: That, that could happen, but did did JMU fumble something away without a defender there? That that was my preface. Did, did we have a situation? I don't know if we did.
0: I do think it's possible for teams to beat themselves. I Honestly, I don't think this qualifies, because the way South Dakota State played in that game, they should have been further ahead. It, it shouldn't have been in question, um, but I think that is a credit to Minnesota for keeping themselves in the game and capitalizing when the mistake inevitably came.
1: Yeah, it, it could have gone either way definitely at the end, uh, but nothing to hang their heads on. Hopefully it gave you a little bit of perspective. Um, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder is a good way to wrap it up, Brandon. Great question. We super appreciate it, sir. Uh, guys, this is another really great one, uh, from Preston Adams again, uh, outstanding James Madison fan on our page. He said, based off of week one, will the MEAC send a team to the playoffs this year? They actually had two wins against preseason top 15 teams, which is outstanding. Reviewing those top 15 wins, uh, North Carolina AT played a hell of a game with Elon winning 24 to 21. That was a great matchup. And then South Carolina state upsetting what was a preseason pick. Stats, top 10, uh, Wofford, 28-13. to 13. So right off the bat, you got two really good quality wins. Um, guys, this kind of goes back to some of the topics we've discussed where we would love to see the Miac and the SWAC teams in the playoffs, but we understand the Celebration Bowl is outstanding for those programs. The trophy's awesome. The money's great. The viewership is awesome. ABC Bowl game. So you're definitely not going to pass that up while go- over the playoffs. But do you think we could see a Miac team make the playoffs this year? Lawrence, you think we might see one get in there?
0: I mean, it's early. It's it's week 1. So, uh don't hold anything. The three of us say uh you know, to don't go to Vegas with it, but it, it got to be honest, it it looks like the MEX best chance so far, in, you know, in the last number of years. So. Uh, impressed with what happened in week one and I hope they can keep it up and and get a team into the playoffs and and show us what they got
1: yeah it'd be awesome just to put it all against the competition of the best 24 according to the committee Kyler you think a miac gets a representative
2: this year so Preston don't hate me right now um but let me just let me just talk a little bit so first let me let me give credit to the MiAC. Heck of a performance week one. I don't think anything, anyone's going to discredit that, Um, especially South Carolina state for putting a beat down on a top 10 Wofford team. But if you watch the Wofford game, they kind of switched up their whole offense a little bit. And for most of it, like they didn't really run the true triple option, which is what that team is built for. So I'm not sure if Wofford is going to be as good as we all anticipated them to be, you know, because they have dominated the SOCON for so long. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Norfolk, they did look good against an FBS Old Dominion team, but we'll see how that plays out. At the end of the day, you know, it is still a loss, and losses don't help you, even if it's a close loss versus an FBS program. At the end of the day, it still do- just doesn't help you. Um, and then it looks like North Carolina, a A&T, not at and um, it looks like they're still going to be the heavy favorites to win the MIAC. So, as good as they looked, because they did look really good in Week 1, it's still way too early. Um, and I want to wait to see how this how this goes uh, moving forward. But they did look improved. Um, but I'm not sure if they were super improved or if some of the teams they played regressed. And that's just something you do not know week one. So we have to wait to see how it plays out. But I was proud of the MEAC this week.
0: Yeah,
1: hell of a performance. And just like Kyler said, time will tell. Great question, Preston. Uh, Guys, this one is coming from Adam Peterson. Uh, He wants to know, looking at all the teams who played Thursday through Saturday, who impressed you the most and who disappointed you the most? Mr. Adam Peterson wants to know the positives and the negatives. So, Kyler, who is your most impressive team and who is the most disappointing team for you?
2: So, you know, the most disappointing, I think we're all going to have the exact same answers, it's gotta easily be wafford and jsu um as they were both top 10 teams that kind of got their asses kicked um if i put it in a nice nice phrase um so that is definitely the most disappointing the most the most you know impressed i'm actually gonna go with cal poly in their 52 to 34 win over san diego now it's not that they beat an overly impressive team i don't think san diego is you know An amazing team. Um, They will probably still win the Pioneer, but we will see. But it's more that I thought Cal Poly's offense was really going to suffer. Like, we do a big sky um, power rankings, and I'm pretty sure I put Cal Poly at number 13 out of 13 in the preseason. They lost pretty much 80% of their triple option playmakers, like their quarterback and full-time All-American Big Joe Prothro. But their new playmakers emerged, and they did way better than I anticipated. Like I said, it is the opponent. So we'll have to see how it plays out, but their freshman quarterback, Jalen Hallmer, he had a total of like 300 yards and five touchdowns. And it wasn't all just running. Most of it was done through the air, which is surprising. Um, But they also had a sophomore running back, Tran Sampson who rushed for 172 yards and two touchdowns while averaging 11 yards per carry. When you're averaging a first down per carry, that is impressive. So, I picked them to finish dead last in the big sky. Um, they kind of impressed me the most where I pushed them up to, you know, now I put them in seventh because um, I still have a little bit of a tough road ahead. But yeah, if teams that impressed me, I, I got to say it's actually Cal Poly. Awesome. I really like those picks. I'm going to go a little bit off the road too.
1: Um, I'm going to start with most disappointing. You know, it's not fair. I get this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Weber State, come on. If there's one hit on Weber, it's hey, if their offense can step up, national title contender, baby. They could be right there. And I don't know how good San Diego State's defense is. I really don't. But Weber lost to San Diego State six to nothing. We needed a safety and two field goals, or three field goals, or a touchdown with an extra point. We needed something. Oh man, if they could do, just put one on the board, I didn't watch the game. It's a face value, you know, look at it. But man, the criticism of Weber with their offense is just going to continue based off of needing one score to beat San Diego State. I know it's FBF, FBS, FCS, but just have to say it. Um, and then my most impressive is going to be Central Arkansas. I mean, they were the one who got the FBS win. They upset Western Kentucky. And that was great. 35-28. It's a seven-point win. Our player of the week came from that game. So way to represent Central Arkansas. I know the Hero Sports and Athlon guys talked a lot about how you have a lot of returning talent, and they should be better from that great season they had two or three years ago. So Central Arkansas, representing the Southland, nice work. Lawrence, do you have a great disappointment and a great, um, impressive win that you would like to share with us?
0: My disappointing team so far is the Colgate Raiders. They, of course, uh, were Patriot League champions last year, won a playoff game at home versus JMU, uh, ultimately met their demise in the Fargo Dome, as as many teams do. And they come out this year, big expectations, ranked in the top 25, and are now sitting at 0-2. Just, I mean, disappointing is is a is a great word to to use for for Colgate right now. And Matthew, I agree with you the uh, the team that I was going to choose that has impressed me um, was going to be Central Arkansas. You know, we got to give our shout out to the one team to to take down an FBS team this week. Um, you know, maybe we only ended up with uh, one fear the FCS upset this year, and right now. UCA has
1: it. Absolutely. And if they get out of the auto bid situation, it's going to look damn good on a resume. So, Kyler, you have a few more things to add? I do, actually. How did you know? Oh, I could just, I could sense the facts beginning to
2: creep up on us. So I was excited. I was getting ready. That's really creepy. Um, Because you're not looking at me. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, Maybe I'm starting to breathe heavy because, you know, I'm excited. Yeah, Um, let's do it. (laughs) I will say one thing about disappointment the whole socon we saw online that the socon still wants to be considered one of the power conferences they had an awful week i mean you had wofford losing you had stanford who i picked them to lose to youngstown state but i picked a close game and that was because they lost hodges that's a big loss but they also lost to a team that only has two wins over the last two seasons So the SOCON is a huge disappointment. And right now, you're not looking like the fourth best conference. You're looking, I don't know, probably seven range right now, in my opinion. So as week one, maybe you guys will bounce back. But the whole conference of the SOCON, excluding Furman, is a disappointment. Absolutely. And one person here has Furman as their dark horse. (laughs) That's
1: this guy right here. Good job. Furman, way to represent and keep it up when you take on FBS Georgia State, which Georgia State beat Tennessee. Am I correct in that? Was that the Georgia State?
2: Yeah, Georgia State, but that's, you know, that's a FBS team, Georgia State, the one that, you know, was really bad last year and Kennesaw should have beat. But, yeah, they beat Tennessee. That was crazy.
1: That's insane. I know they had a ton of freshmen not to get into FBS talk, but, yeah, that'll be a tough one for Furman. I hope they pull it out. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys, we're going to roll into kind of one of our, our last long questions, and we're going to start hitting the speed round stuff. Uh, Mike Schnell wants to know, he's asking a pure homer question here, but should the Bison be worried about their defense? They didn't look overall great against Butler despite the final score, giving up an average of almost three yards per carry on the ground. Uh, he has a follow-up question about Trey Lance. Should Trey Lance be lowering his shoulders into defenders, and should Mike Entz, or Matt Dents put an end to that? Um, moving forward so I guess as the bison person here I guess I'll take that right off the bat Um, going into the season we kind of talked a little bit about how there's a lot of question marks and specifically if you were talking defense I knew the secondary was going to be very experienced Um, both corners senior junior all-american safety back there but the front seven was going to be the question marks because the defensive line and our defensive ends and linebackers now around Jabril Cox while they may have junior on the label They were backup roles, or now they're kind of being forced into the starting positions with a lot of youth behind them. Uh, NDSU itself is very 2016-ish. It's all I've been promoting about NDSU this year. Very 2016-ish. In 2016, we had 10 seniors. Uh, This year, if you look at the two-man depth chart, it's 13. So the team is really, really young, and it's going to need to pick it up in some of the areas, and the front seven may be that spot. Not saying they're not going to improve as the season goes on. And there's a million factors of three yards per carry, you know, third stringers in the fourth quarter and backups coming in. But yeah, I I definitely think that could be a thing of concern if you're facing a a power run team like James Madison or, or if Eastern with that experienced offensive line meets you and yes, you could run into some trouble. And yeah, you definitely don't want your quarterback lowering down despite some of the cool clips you've seen of Carson Wentz do it in the past when he was here running over guys, but he was a human cheat code, so it's not really fair. Uh, Trey Lance looked great, but it's really tough to judge what NDSU is off of Butler, but kind of those initial preseason concerns are things we can evaluate over the next couple weeks against really good opponents. So I know you guys didn't catch the game, but anything, uh, thoughts up front about NDSU at this point, even though there's not much to discuss with Butler besides Trey Lance looking just freakish. So Kyler, anything?
2: Yeah, I can honestly say I did not watch the game because it's Butler. Um <laughs> that, that's not a game that is supposed to be competitive by any means. North Dakota State was supposed to shut them out. I'm actually surprised that Butler scored 10 points. Um and it was not in garbage time. It wasn't in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. It was in the third quarter. So, do I do I think it's concerning? No. You know, maybe they gave up just one one big play and that's all it was because I didn't watch the game, but I, I don't really have much comments because I didn't watch the game. And, guys, it's Butler. It is Butler. They went what? They had two wins in the Pioneer League last year? I think four and seven total, yeah, is where we were sitting last year. Yeah, so they beat Youngstown State in the opener, which was a huge shock. But as we saw, Youngstown State was really bad. And then I think they only had two wins in the Pioneer League, which is the bottom conference in the FCS. So not a good look. It's Butler. I didn't watch. I have no comment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see a lot more evaluation of North Dakota State here. I would say their early conference schedule is really tough, but, you know, a rivalry game against UND followed a trap traveling to at Delaware, which is top 25. And then you are going to have top 10 UC Davis at home. That's where you get your evaluation. in, And we'll see what they look like at that time. So great stuff. You guys ready for the speed round questions? Um, We can go through them as quick as possible. So we'll keep our answers a little bit shorter and we'll try to get through all of them because we love to get through every question that FCS Fans Nation likes to throw at us. So, uh, Lawrence, you talked about this a little bit, but is it too early to say Colgate is in trouble? Um, If he remembers correctly, the last two seasons, they had winning records and were the only Patriot League team to do so. And now they're 0-2. This is from Elijah Pierre, an awesome KSUL fan on our page. Is Colgate in trouble, Lawrence?
0: No, Colgate's not in trouble because they still play in the Patriot League. So once conference play gets started, uh, you know, if it ends up being like the last couple of years, you know, they'll they'll just go ahead and grab the auto bid. Uh, you know, th- their season is still 100 percent in their own hands. They control their destiny. Oh, and two looks bad, but it's. Way too early to say they can't turn their season around. It's all
1: about the conference. Even even Lehigh made the playoffs with a below five hundred record. Kyler, any disagreement there? You think Colgate's okay?
2: I think they're totally fine. The Patriot League has zero wins right now. It's not like they're in a dominating conference where it's going to be tough. Zero wins in your conference right now. All you got to do is win the conference. Um, but as for is is Colgate in trouble? As do I think they could be a seeded team? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be a seeded team, and that's about the only trouble they have, but they should still win the Patriot League.
1: Awesome, awesome. Guys, Chris Hammond, I didn't put an R in there. Chris Hammond wants to know, um, are people overreacting to this Jacksonville State loss? I know we're talking JSU like crazy, but that's okay. They deserve the spotlight right now for right to wrong reasons. Kyler, are we overreacting to Jacksonville State?
2: Yes and no. Yes, because it's week one and this season is even longer than normal. We have 12 games, it's a very long season. But Jacksonville State could probably only afford one more loss if they want any type of shot at the eight seed. So, yes, you know, people are overreacting. No, they aren't because now the seeding is really effective. And we also saw their biggest weakness, which is their young and inexperienced O line. My guess is Chattanooga is going to, you know, blitz the crap out of them. So, I have mixed emotions on this. Yes and no. Awesome, awesome, Lawrence, Jacksonville State,
1: still good or done?
0: Neither. <laughs> um, I don't think they're done by any means, but like Kyler said, they're I mean, they're kind of holding on to a thread right now. Of you know, when uh, when we're talking about potential seedings, you know, they there's no guarantee that they beat Chattanooga this week, and there's hardly any guarantee that they beat eastern washington when they play you know are we looking at zero and three that would that would be pretty tough uh for them to you know have a good outlook on on the rest of the season they if they start zero and three they they can't slip up versus any of the opponents that they play in the the ovc or they'll be out of the playoffs completely um i don't think people are overreacting to this loss because it's you know it's a big deal
1: yeah, absolutely. It's really going to hurt them if they're not able to get that auto bid out of the OBC. And I think they kind of come back strong at home because when you seem to get whipped real bad, it's almost like a seven-game series. Uh, someone gets blown out, and then the next game that you know the other team comes back pretty strong. So I think they beat Chattanooga, but I no no chance you beat Eastern Washington. And then North North Alabama, you know U A. That's a rekindled rivalry, and UNA had a big win over Western Illinois, so you know that one could be dangerous for them. Not done yet, but you got to step up, game Nation. It's the only way to do it. So, all right, guys, lower tier Cal Poly beats defending Pioneer League champ San Diego. What does this say about the strength of conference, about the Big Sky, Pioneer, and other leagues if a lower team with a brand new offense beats a returning conference champion? Ben Schlager wants to know that. And I'll toss it first to you again, Kyler, just because this is more kind of a Big Skyish ish thing. Um, and you talked about it earlier. What does that say when you have a lower team with a brand new offense beat a returning conference champ? What do you got?
2: Well, well, first let me dive into you know the pioneer and the lower level teams Um, because if you have followed the Big Sky, even when like not the Big Sky in the playoffs, because San Diego has kind of beaten some really bad Big Sky playoff teams who probably shouldn't have been in the playoffs to begin with. But if you follow San Diego and they're out of conference with the Big Sky teams, every single year they're getting beat bad by Big Sky teams. And some of them are not good. Um So I, I don't think it says anything to the Pioneer. It doesn't say anything to the lower level teams. But what it does say about the Big Sky, at first glance, I thought the Big Sky was pretty top heavy this year, um, but would be overall improved. But the middle of the Big Sky is actually looking really improved, in my honest opinion. Cal Poly looked good. NAU dominated a bottom tier Missouri Valley team. Uh, Montana dominated a middle-ish tier Missouri Valley team. It's safe to assume that the death of the big sky this year is going to be better than ever. Um, expect to see probably five to six ranked teams throughout most of the year. If everyone can stay healthy, it, it big sky is very improved this year. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, Lawrence, do you find
1: that shocking when like lower tier, higher tiers, you, you see some upsets or you see somebody you didn't expect to
0: win? No, I'll say what I say all the time. Um, for lots of different arguments one game results don't tell the story about a conference at large um even you know two or three or four or five results may not um people were ready to throw the caa under the bus last year in the playoffs but you know one bad week of losing you know x number of games doesn't doesn't make or break a conference and certainly one game does not either
1: awesome i really like that mentality yep we got to get the whole picture before we overreact, guys speed round question final one here from preston adams what does south carolina state's win against wofford mean for the Miac race i really like the question i dug into it a little bit i think south carolina state has a tough go of it once they get into conference play The, the team itself should be really talented as it moves forward this year but you've got a rough schedule, um, some pretty favorable home games. It's always good to play Florida A&M at home because they've got a big home field advantage there. Um, and then they've got back-to-backs October and November, though, at Bethune-Cookman. And then you come home and you're versus North Carolina A&T. So overall, I have, if I'm looking at South Carolina State, I think they could have a pretty good year. I'm impressed they be Wofford, but Wofford is a traditional triple option team that I'm never really sold on past the quarterfinals. So, you know, I don't know if South Carolina is going to take that leap to be up there in the Celebration Bowl. We'll have to see how the season plays out, but I think they might have a rough go of it near the end. Still above 500, but not Celebration Bowl members. So, uh, Lawrence, Kyler, do you have anything more to say about South Carolina State?
0: Their win means that people are going to be paying more attention to the MEAC, um, just because, you know, they've got that high profile win. But ultimately, I don't think it means a lot in regards to the actual title race in the MEAC. Um North Carolina A&T is still a favorite and South Carolina State's upset against Wofford doesn't change that. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Guys, we're going to catch right into another question here because we have a ton of them here on our plate uh kyler since we skipped you on that last one are portland state and weaver state going to impress based on their games or are san diego state and arkansas really just that bad what do you got for those two teams and that arkansas i apologize oh sorry no you're good kyler Uh, i should be sorry i did not write down who wrote that question i'm going to search it right now while kyler gives us the answer what do you got sir
2: arkansas is that bad yes i get their an sec team but they went 2-10 last year and 0-8 in the SEC. So if they have zero wins in the SEC, are they really an SEC team? Their only wins were against you know Eastern Illinois, which is an FCS team, and a not a good one last year, and then a three-win Tulsa team. So is Arkansas good? No. Is Portland State, do we have a lot of information on Portland State? No, sometimes they actually play these FBS teams tough. Like in 2015, they actually beat two of them. Two FCS or two FBS teams, you know, in the same season. So I don't think we have enough information yet. And then as for, you know, San Diego State, they're a middle-of-the-road Mountain West team. If you're a top-tier FCS team, like Weber was the last couple of years, and especially last year, they are under two-seed, you should be competitive versus the middle-of-the-road Mountain West team. So I would say Weber is impressive on defense. Like Matt said in the beginning, you should be concerned when you only score zero points, and I believe you only cross the 50-yard line once, um, versus a middle-of-the-road Mountain West team. It's not like you played the best defensive team and you scored zero. You you got kind of canned. Your offense was not impressive at all versus this team. So do I still think Weber is good? Yes. Um, but there is areas of concern, especially on their offensive side. Well answered. Ben?
1: schlieger once again with an outstanding question. Apologize for not having it in my notes, sir. Thanks again for your two questions tonight Ben. Love them. Uh back to you Lawrence. Will Jacksonville State win or lose by three scores to UTC this coming weekend? That's from Brandon Owens. What do you think Lawrence?
0: Neither. The score is going to be somewhere the margin will be somewhere around 14 points.
1: 14 points. Love it. And uh do you have a predictive winner right now? I'm going with Jacksonville State. What do you think?
0: I'm also going Jacksonville State. I think they rebound. There you go, Brandon. Rebound game. Love it.
2: Um, Yeah, I got to add to this real quick because every single time I have picked Jacksonville State on this podcast to win, which is against North Carolina, you know, Kennesaw, and Maine. Like, I I picked them. Um, You guys lost them all. So I am 0 for 4 with Jacksonville State. So guess what, fans? I'm going to pick you again. Get ready for 0 and 5. (laughs) <laughs> oh man he's going with his gut and it's not going to pay off for you it's not going to pay off i am jacksonville state's biggest weakness but i do think they should be able to beat chattanooga but i'm not going to say by three touchdowns awesome awesome uh most impressive individual fcs player performance
1: you saw this week the unbiased bison admin will go biased i know it's butler trey lance red shirt freshman quarterback six three three star all that junk everyone's sick of hearing about it damn, just looked exactly like he was advertised. I, I just couldn't believe it. Six touchdowns, um, the legs, the arm, just the, the talent is there. You know, there's going to be a lot lot of stuff to up his game. And I'm not talking national titles, things like that right off the bat. I'm just saying he's going to be a, a good player moving forward. Um, Lawrence, I'll let you also answer this question because I think you were working on the graphic of who should be uh, the best individual performance for performance of the week. And this comes from Will Emanuel Siller, um, our awesome UCA fan on our page. Who do you got Lawrence?
0: Well, I just want to add, uh, that Will is not a UCA fan. Will is a UCA player actually. That's correct. He does
1: not cheer for them. He only plays. That's correct.
0: Oh, I'm sure he cheers (laughs) for them too, but, uh, I'm actually going with, uh, one of Will's teammates, Lawan Winningham. Um, clearly one of the stronger names in the FCS winningham oh um, this kid had only eight receptions you know that doesn't jump off the board until you see that he had 222 yards receiving and three touchdowns that was good for 27 yards per catch um i think i don't need to justify that very much those are fantastic numbers and i would like to congratulate lawan winningham on winning the first player of the week uh, for FCS fans nation.
1: That was absolutely an awesome performance. Uh, congratulations to uh, Will and the entire team and great win guys. Keep doing your thing moving forward. So um, I don't know if you guys actually caught this. Uh, this was during the Bethune and Jackson state game, but uh, Jackson state scores on a long touchdown pass and the mascot comes running out onto the field, the tiger, of course, And he is celebrating slash breaking up the little scuffle that happens in the end zone. Like he should not be on the field. So Joe gas wants to know, uh, do you suspend the Jackson mascot for his unsportsman 15 yard penalty? Or is it all in good fun? I mean, he just straight up ran out there. What do you guys got?
0: I think it is good fun, but I also bet that uh, the kid in that suit is, is getting suspended. Um, just kind of the way the world works. You, you don't interrupt the game like that. Um, but ultimately, I don't think there was any harm done.
1: Yeah, definitely don't need to be suspension. But if you haven't caught it on Twitter or Facebook, definitely search it up. Uh, it is a very, very entertaining video. So we're not going to suspend the Jackson mascot, but you got to watch your uh, field of play there, sir, and where you're supposed to be at. So uh, Lawrence, what do you think about this one? Altoids or Tic Tacs from Chris Hammond? Are you Tic Tac guy? Or you're an Altoid guy.
0: I'm a thousand percent a Tic Tac guy.
1: Yes, we can be friends, one hundred percent Tic Tacs all the way. Um, sorry, Chris, if you're an Altoid fan, we're going Tic Tacs across the board here on FCS Fans Nation, one hundred percent. All right, last few ones here for you and me, Lawrence. Uh, we have which conference had the most impressive week one? Um, this is from Aaron. Uh, the last name is, it's B R E C E K, Bressek. I, I if if we could find someone with the same last name, we'll see if we can get that confirmed or not. But Aaron, I'll, I'll say Bressek. So, what conference had the most impressive week one win, Lawrence?
0: The most impressive single win or the most impressive overall? Yeah,
1: overall. How how to con- Which conference looked the best?
0: I think surprisingly, the Southland looked strong this this week um, they're kind of one of those two or three conferences that's you know that sort of that second tier and I, th- I think this week they they had a strong showing and are kind of trying to step up and show the you know show the nation that maybe they're that next team next conference that's going to make a push to be a, a big four or a power four however you want to phrase it
1: yeah, absolutely. That will be interesting to see how the Southland does moving forward. Kind of still my answer there, which is completely fine, which means it adds justification. So it's tough with all those FBS matchups, but the Southland performed really, really well. So, all right, Lawrence, these last two here. This one here is going to be mainly CAA-based, so this will be really good for you. In the Elon N C A and T game, Elon averaged 0.6 yards per carry in the game. Uh, So Tyler Cheek is kind of wondering, what's the minimum yard per carry you think a team, the CAA might need to reasonably, you know, compete and win a game. So how does like yard per carry in comparison to the CAA matter with that conference? So you're rushing, you're rushing. How big is that in comparison to other CAA teams? Does that matter with your conference?
0: I mean, I think Elon showed this week that you can have a, yards per carry less than one and still win the game. Um, even though they, they didn't win the game, you know, it was certainly there for the taking, but, um, I don't, I don't think you can point to an individual, you know, statistic like that to say, Oh, this is going to, you, know, you have to have this threshold if you're going to win the game or not. But, you know, typically teams are, you know, the things less than three, um, it's kind of when you're, starting to evaluate, oh, maybe the running game needs some work. Um, and above three, you know, you can kind of consider a successful uh, running game. So I don't know, maybe minimum threshold to, to win a game is is one and a half or two. But I, d- I don't think you can really say that that's relevant to the outcome of the game, you know, as an individual stat.
1: For sure. And CAA definitely see a lot of really good running backs and good offensive lines. But it's tough to judge just on an individual basis. Great answer, though. Uh, last one here for you, because it also is CAA, Lawrence, so I'm going to toss it to you. Uh, Delaware has a conference game already in week two, University of Rhode Island. Uh, for Delaware, it is their most important September game. This is from Colin Sutrick. And he's wondering that he's noticed a lot of early season conference matchups end up being important or like must win games um, for teams that schedule them. So can you go into detail about the confidence teams can get from an early season conference win? And he wants to know that with the Blue Hens, is this like a deciding game with the difference between seven or eight wins on a big 12 game schedule? So how does this help confidence wise with the team if they get this early conference win? And do you think it could be a deciding factor for the Blue Hens this season?
0: You know, the difference between being 0-1 or 1-0 and in conference play is is a huge, you know, mental um thing if you get behind the ball early and drop that first game you're kind of playing catch up all year Uh, but if you get that win in the first week you know you're ahead of half of the the conference at least and every week you win is another week that you control your own destiny you don't let other teams take that from you so yes the first win of the season is important but so is the second third fourth fifth um, it's just nice to to get the first one out of the way because you can't have a winning streak until you get the first one.
1: Absolutely. Early confidence is essential. Awesome, guys. I think we only missed one or two of the questions. Um, hopefully, we got you all the shout-outs correct, and we apologize for the, the last name issues if we're having any, uh, but I'll get better as the time goes on. All right, guys, it's time for one of our new segments that we do. It is called our Hot Take. It allows myself, Kyler, or Lawrence just to go over something we're passionate about, something we want to get off our chest, or just something that we've noticed throughout the FCS. And I'm taking this one tonight, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a tweet that the awesome, outstanding Hero Sports Media member, Brian McLaughlin, tweeted out. He tweeted that we shouldn't be overreacting as voters throughout the stats polls or any polls, FCS Fans Nation, about FBS losses and don't overreact to big blowouts to kind of inferior competition. And I wanted to speak to that a little bit on the fact that he is 100% correct. So there's a lot of fans out there that right now will claim that, oh, look at you, Eastern, you got blown up by 30 points against Washington. Well, North Dakota State, we once beat Iowa. Or James Madison once beat Virginia Tech. Granted that those are different years and different seasons and different situations and can be completely irrelevant to the current climate of the FCS. Or some individuals will look at an FBS loss for South Dakota State. Well, they should have beat beat Minnesota because we could have beat Minnesota, I bet. Once again, not relevant because you didn't play Minnesota and you're just plain hypothetical. Because at the end of the day, an FBS loss, when you look at the playoff committee, they use the simple rating system. And an FBS loss does not affect you with the simple rating system. It doesn't hurt you in any way for playoff seating or representation. So what Brian's main point was, don't punish a team in the polls because they had a bad FBS loss or good FBS loss, whether it was close, whether it was a blowout. Heck, James Madison got blown out in 2016 to UNC and then ran through the FCS like a train and won a national title. I believe Eastern Washington, while they didn't go all the way through the FCS undefeated, also lost in 2010 to an FBS opponent. So it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. And you shouldn't be punishing teams just because they're losing to FBS opponents. Like we said, we're supposed to lose these games even though we don't want to. So it's not a shock if it does happen. At the same time, let's not overreact. So the North Dakota State's beating a butler. Let's not overreact to a team that is playing somebody who's massively inferior to them. Of course, we have to give credit where credit is due. Those teams are supposed to slaughter those teams, and that's what they did. So everything on paper still looks good, and they should maintain a ranking. But you shouldn't be jumping them massively up the board just because somebody got blown out by a ranked FBS, and you beat a team that was non-scholarship with 68 freshmen. Not really the case with North Dakota State being number one, but throughout the top 10 and top 25, you may have seen that this last week. So overall, don't overreact to week one. Most is FBS. Most is a cupcake matchup. We only got a few really good FCS to FCS opponents like Elon versus NCAT. Let's see how the season plays out. Let's see how strength of schedules develop. And then let's make some big bounces up and down these polls. Because at the end of the day, if the committee doesn't care about it, we should, we should debate it. We should love it. We should be passionate about it. But don't let it affect your sleep at night. Hell of a job for the FCS in week one. Let's see what week two brings us. All right, guys, that wraps up my hot take. Uh, thank you, Brian, for voicing your opinions, as always, for Hero Sports. We love what you guys do over there. Thanks for everything you do for us for research and everything else. All right, guys, shameless plug time. If you are loving this episode, whether you're listening on Anchor, Google, Google Play Store, uh, iTunes, Uh, make sure to subscribe, make sure to set your notifications on so you can get our weekly episodes throughout the season. Toss us some five stars, one stars if you hate us and just toss out some uh, reviews for us. That's the best way to get this podcast promoted. On top of that,
0: please don't rate us one star.
1: (laughs) If you rate us one star, uh, you can blame me because I butchered your last name and make sure that if you're not an FCS football fans nation, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We run amazing promotions. We have Hundreds and hundreds of comments on our game threads through respectful debate and discussion as games are happening. It's the best place to engage for FCS football content, and we have awesome contests that Lawrence can talk to you a little bit about right now. Lawrence, what about that contest?
0: Our big contest during the year is the FCS Fans Nation Pick'Em Challenge. While it is too late to register to become a eligible winner, it is not too late to participate Uh, The way that it works is the admins choose eight games per week, with one game being the game of the week worth three points, the rest worth one point. Uh, Simple math will tell you that works out to 10 points. Just tell us who you think is going to win that matchup, and if you're right, you get those points. At the end of the season, whoever has the most points uh, wins. This year, it's actually going to be $500, as long as they registered and paid that entry fee before uh, before registration closed this week. If you didn't make that deadline, you can still play, uh, play along for fun. It's a great way to stay engaged with the FCS and uh, engage with uh, fellow FCS fans.
1: Awesome, guys. Well, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to be sitting here recording these episodes with you. Uh, it was an amazing time. We will always be recording Sunday, Mondays, Tuesdays if it's an emergency to get these episodes out to you guys earlier in the week. So look forward to the weekly episodes, and we hope you guys continue to ask us questions and enjoy the engagement. The season is fresh. It's new, but we're already seeing chaos. There's nothing better. Looking forward to seeing how the field closes in as we work our way through the 2019 FCS Fans Nation season. Uh, We'll see you in Frisco no matter what, guys, because that's where the admins will be. We'll hope to see the final two teams, but for now, we're going to enjoy seeing how the 126 becomes the two. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy the games. Boom.